Hello and welcome to episode 203 of the Punter Podcast. I'm Chris Barnett. Betfred Oaks Day and Epsom on Friday kicks off the prestigious two-day derby meeting with the Irish train Save the Last Dance looking like a worthy favourite after a convincing Chester victory last month. City AM Racing Editor Bill Esdale previews the best of Friday's racing action from Epsom Plus we hear from the brilliant trainer, Aidan O'Brien. So Bill, the Friday at Epsom, always a great day's racing. Got the Betfred Oaks to look forward to as part of the card there. And we're going to start looking throughout the card this afternoon. And we'll have a special Derby Day episode as usual on Friday with Hong Kong featuring in that as well. Uh, But the weather's been good. It's not been any rain for ages. They've been watering at Epsom, Andrew Cooper, who's clerk of the course there, and at Sandown as well. He's um, one of the best in the business, and they've been put watering down. I, I guess we're going to look at good ground for the for the Oaks on Friday. Yeah, they've had no rain there since May the twelfth, and um, they've kind of been watering since um, since I think the seventeenth. They said it was. They put twenty five mils on since then. They're kind of shoving on five mils a day by the look of it on average. Uh, they're talking about three to five on Monday and two and a half on Wednesday with um, five millimetres applied to the from the mile and a quarter start to the mile start. I mean, he gives you loads of details, Andrew Cooper, but basically, like you say, you're working on the basis that it's dry, it's kind of low 20s, that it's breezy, it's going to be drying out. Yeah, They're kind of watering to maintain the ground as close to good as you can get. And there's always a danger of slight overwatering, you know, but it's not going to be lightning fast and it's not going to be soft. It's going to be good, good to firm, I would have thought. Um, but it never is at Epsom. Uh, the Oaks is at uh, 4.30, sort of a regular time. Of course, the Derby on Saturday is the second race on the card at 1.30 due to the FA Cup final uh, at Wembley. So, again, if they water overnight, the Derby would get pretty fresh ground, wouldn't it? Because there would only be one race on the, there beforehand. Yeah, they used to. Um, I remember in recent years, people have always been saying, "Oh, it's going to dry out, carry on drying out." The Derby's an hour away or two hours away, so like you say, it's going to be second race up. Um, yeah. But look, there's no rain in the forecast, so they have to do what they do. And you know, Andrew could be hoping to put two, three mils on rather than having to put five on, but. You know, I think they're always going to, place like Epson, they're always going to side on on the side of defensive watering and over, and, and probably more like to overwater than underwater. Yeah. Um, for the safety of the horses, you know, it's it's the you know premier race of the season, so you got to you got to make sure it's it's not dangerous ground. The worst thing for them would be someone like Aidan O'Brien to pull his horses out because the ground's too quick. Uh, mm. Not that he would, but I think it's um, yeah. I think it'll be the same all week, good, good to find places. Well, we look forward to the Betfred Derby on Saturday. Our podcast, a regular one, will be out on Friday, looking towards that and the whole meeting, of course, as well as Wally Pirate talking about Hong Kong. But today, this is about the Oaks on Friday and the Betfred Oaks coming up late in the afternoon. We're going to start at 2 o'clock with the opening race, which is on ITV. It is the Woodcut Stakes, the... Race there with uh, the two-year-olds in action, run over six furlongs. And uh, a pretty nice lineup here. Ballon d'Or ran quite well at Chester, finishing third. 
partnered by Michael Owen, of course, won the Ballon d'Or himself, amazingly, when he played for Real Madrid all those years ago. Hugo Palmer, his trainer, and they got James Doyle on board, won at Musselburgh, and they were trying to find a horse that was good enough to be named Ballon d'Or. This is the one they came down on, and he didn't do too much wrong at Chester, which was on soft going, of course. Hard terms in there, one or two for Richard Hannon, who won a race at Bath very easily. Six lengths, but was odds on to do so. The Camden Colts in there as well. Ryan Moore rides for the Hannon team. Uh, for that particular horse who won at Haydock over the six furlongs. Uh, the two-year-olds this time of the year, we still don't know an awful lot. There's two races probably each that they've had and they can improve or they can regress. How did you see it? Yeah, hard, t- a tricky race. I mean, t- traditionally, um, you want to be looking for something drawn relatively low. Um, you don't normally get a biggest field like this with 12 runners. Um but Legend of Sanity won it last year coming out of Trap 9. And I think he was the first horse in, I think, about 10 years to be drawn wider than five or six. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just one of those, it's just a, a, a traditionally a kind of um, point-and-shoot, low-draw race. It's a bit like the, like Chester in that way for two years, two-year-olds at the starting at the top of the hill and rolling down. Um, look, it's a good race. Um, the market suggests it's wide open. I mean, they're currently betting kind of, Four nine to two about four of them: Ballon d'Or, Camden Colt, Valor and Swagger, and Hartem of the Hannans. Um, they can't really separate any of them. Um, Ballon d'Or been doing uh, his thing over five. Um, was was very close up in in Chester last time on soft ground. And that was a that was a good run in the Lily Agnes. Um, finished third that day. Myconian runs here as fifth as well. Um, but it's a change of ground, change of track. Um, James Doyle riding for Hugo Palmer um, could, could be competitive. Bob Slay won at Brighton um, for an informed yard, but was was a cheap purchase and didn't. I mean, won at Brighton, so everyone automatically presumed that some more suit. But I don't think Brighton actually suited. He, he looked all over the shop, but still managed to win. So he won't be far away. Uh, I thought um, actually Hartem, Richard Hanlon's horse was the one that I was most kind of taken with. I think people are drawn into the fact that um, Ryan Moore rides the Camden Colt for, same, for the Hannon team. But I think Pat Dobbs keeps the ride. He's ridden hard in both times, caught the eye with a good first run at Goodwood, and then was really impressive. Was look, It was a hot favourite at Bath last time over five and a half, but ran all the way to the line, loved the decent ground, holds all kinds of fancy entries, you know, probably... Wouldn't be surprised if he turned up anywhere like Ascot or wherever, but he's in everything from the Weatherby Super Sprint to the Railway Stakes. I just was impressed with Hartem. I thought he was pretty smart. And um, yeah, I thought nine to two was a very fair price um, currently on offer. Uh, with William Hill, I thought he was the one I would go for. But it, it's a wide open race. But um, I didn't mention Valor and Swagger, another horse who's been mixing it, but Hartem will get the vote for me. Ricky opener then at Epsom. On Friday at 2 o'clock at 2.35, we've got a handicap coming up over a mile and half a furlong with a good field of 13. Now, Revich will catch the eye, I suppose, having won at Chester by three lengths last time out. Jim Crowley was on board for Richard Spencer. They booked Ryan Moore to ride Revich on Friday. All the King's men for the informed George Bowyard. He likes using William Buick. They've gone very well together as a combination. 
This horse hasn't won though since January. He's had three tries, been placed three times since then. Ross Colin for the Horse Watchers goes for the David O'Mara Yard, Fantastic Fox for Roger Varian, Dutch Decoy for Charlie Johnston and others. The uh, the booking of Ryan Moore on Revit, a recent winner. Bill, does that give us any clues here? Yeah, I mean, it's, he's, he's probably the one. Um, if you look at last year's race, um, totally charming, won it for George Bowie. But Revit was second and Fantastic Fox was third. Um, both, you know, Revit has come down the outside and Fantastic um, Fox didn't have the smoothest of, of runs late on. Um, Fantastic Fox did that off a mark of 28. Uh, sorry, of 98, sorry, 28. 98, <laughs> and Revit was 95. Um, Fantastic Fox is five pounds lower. Um, Revit is three pounds higher. Revit comes here in form. Nice low draw. Um, great jockey booking. Um, he probably gets my vote. I'm looking at the prices as we speak, and um, I thought seven to one Revit was fair. Um, people are thinking that he's six pounds higher. It's going to be tougher, but we know he handles the track. We know he's in good form. We know he stays further. Tactically, he's got a nice position. Um, or nice slot to sit in. Um, all the King's men, look, Bowie won it last year. He's a great trainer. Bu- Buick's a great jockey booking. He's got blinkers on for the first time. He's going to eke out some pr- improvement off his current mark, 89. But I was a bit disappointed with him at first. I know the step up and trip might help and the blinkers might help, but he does need help. He kind of flattened out a bit late on. And look, um, I get these connections wrong a lot, but I thought he was a favourite I'd want to take on around four to one. Um, he may well win, but I'd be happy to take him on with Revit. Um, Fantastic Fox hasn't got a great draw. Um, Ocean Murphy, a good booking for the Varian team. Well handicapped. Probably should have got closer last year. Doesn't really appear <laughs> in the same kind of form as that. Um, was well beaten at Chester last time on soft ground and was well beaten at Epsom back in April. But maybe the return to a faster surface may help him. Um you know, off, off a leading mark and the variance team are starting to get going. So mm. um, he's interesting. Um, but I was looking down the others and uh, it's one of those tricky handicaps. And, and the, the one that kind of caught my eye most of all was Austrian Theory, Charlie Johnson's horse that Joe Fanning rides. Um, he, he's just a horse that's lost his way. I always like Mark Johnson and Charlie Johnson horses in these kind of handicaps around Epsom. And he has run the track before as a two-year-old and then had bits of form that were quite smart last year. And when his handicap mark kind of fell into the low 90s, he, he won at Hamilton a valuable prize. Um, and over a trip, this exact trip, fun enough, um, that was off a mark in 94. And then he kind of struggled a bit higher up in the weight. He was gelded over the winter and then He's come back, and the first two runs were dreadful. Last on both of his, Kenton and Thursk. Um, but then returned to something at Chester last time over a, sh- a trip probably too short when he was 30, your friend Boardman. And, um, Who won the other day, by the way, and I did back him. Yeah, yeah, this was, yeah, this was, this was the race on, on the weekend. I'm talking yeah, about. Thanks for telling so, me so, about the two races before when I'd lost my money on him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Boardman <laughs> was, um, Boardman won that race, but Austin Theory ran okay. Um, he just kind of swallowed up late, late on, but it was a big step back to form for him. I don't really mind the Johnson horses when they reappear relatively quick, like a, less than a week. And, 
That was off a mark of 91. Handicap has dropped him a pound, so he's actually off a mark of 90 here. Um, he'll be around the 10 to 1 chance, 12 to 1 chance. I just thought he's the kind of horse that would go well in this race. The Johnson horses do take big steps forward. Um, so I'm going to play Revit each way at 7 and yeah. Austrian Theory each way at 12. That's the way I'll play it. Um, Epsom has a knack of making you look a moron, mm-hmm. um, but those two are the, the two I'll go for on this. I think the thing with Epsom is if you don't win, you're probably not going to be placed, are you? You're, it's one of those, you never get an unlucky second when you back one at Epsom. It's either one or it's like 25 lengths behind at the furlong pole and you know you've got no hope. Yeah, and the good, the good thing about Austrian theory too is that just those Johnson horses tends to be up in the van, whether he makes yeah. it or sits second, third, as they all pedal down the hill and there's all kinds of trouble in behind yeah. you just know he's going to be in the right spot mm. and if joe fanning asks him to go and win his race at the two pole mm. um which they often do they can open up by length i i, I there was a w- winner they had a good one last saturday that annoyed me because it should have been on it and i think this fella's cut from a similar cloth and actually the bigger the price the, the more you're kind of drawn to them but i think um austin theory will run really well okay great stuff there's only five in the 310 at Epsom, the mile and a half Dalbury Coronation Cup. It's a group one part of the British Champion Series, but a very, very intriguing race, I think. We've got the Derby and the Oaks horses from last year coming back to have a go over the same trip, of course. We've got Westover for Rafe Beckett, who was third in the Derby last year, went to the Curra and won the Irish Derby, disappointed badly in the uh, King George at Ascot, ran sixth then in the Ark and ran second at Maidan behind the unbelievable horse Equinox, but nothing would have beaten Equinox if they'd have started half an hour before that race. So he sort of came back to form at Maidan in March, did Westover. Emily Upjohn, of course, comes here. We haven't seen her since October, since winning the Phillies and Mares at Ascot. She was an unlucky second behind Tuesday in the Oaks last year. Hurricane Lane's in there for Charlie Appleby, Godolphin, and he came back to form to win the Group 2 Jockey Club at Newmarket by six lengths. He really did storm home in that race. We've got Port Point Lonsdale. Aidan O'Brien brings him over. He's won two in a row. And the Germans are in town. Peter Schergen is in town with Rennie Pichelet, the jockey on board. Tunez, who's a half-brother to our old friend uh, that won the Ark a couple of years ago. Or Torquato Tasso. So, of course, um, only the five, but it's a cracking race. Lots of chances. So you, how you don't know how it's going to go, do you? Yeah, really good race. This, funny enough, this probably isn't a betting race. Uh, it's 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 probably a race to sit back and enjoy, yeah. because, like you say, you you can actually make a case for all five. And when I was going through this race, I I actually felt that. Um, I could I could give a chance to the German horse, and then I suddenly felt no, I can I can actually give a chance to Point Lonsdale because of the form of the Aidan O'Brien team, and then you think Hurricane Lane looked different proposition last time, and on ratings Emily Upjohn's probably gets she gets the weight and the allowance, and she should have won the Oaks, and she was brilliant last time, and then Westover might be the bunch, best of the bunch of them. So it's it's really hard. The sponsors um, Betfred are kind of not sponsor sponsors of the classics, but but the and a betting partner for the week. Mm. Um, are two to one Westover, five to two Emily Upjohn, 130 Hurricane Lane, seven to two Point Lonsdale, 18 to one the German Raider Tunis. Um, it's 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 a cracking contest. Uh, I 
think Westover will win, if I'm honest. I think he um, proved he's trained on with a cracking run at Maidan. I know Daylight was second to Equinox, but he was the only one of a good field that actually came out the back to make a race of it. Well, I was just going to ask you, if Equinox hadn't run in that race and Westover had won the Maidan race on the 25th of March, which is the Group 1 Dubai Shima Classic, he'd be shorter than 2-1 to one for this, wouldn't he? He'd be 15-8. to eight. <laughs> No, he'd be a bit... Yeah, yeah. Be you're, a bit you're on he, form he, today. Yeah, he'd be, he'd be a bit... Um, Shorter, uh, I mean, he's he that was a really good run. I mean, the, the, the key with Westover, like, like we say, is that he had a big reputation when he went to Sandown for the classic trial last year and he beat Cash, yeah, then ran a cracker in the derby behind Desert Crown where he was a bit of a baby and didn't really know what he was doing, and then, then, um, was denied that clear run, um went and slammed that field in the Irish Derby. That was seriously impressive when he beat Pisper Deal. Um, whatever went wrong at Ascot went wrong. Um, you know, whether he, whether he ran too free or whatever it was. Uh, but then he actually ran really well in the arc. You can slightly forget how well he ran on the ground that would have been far too soft, potentially. Um, but wasn't beaten miles and was sick throughout an Easter. And then that great run at Maidan. He's got the best form here. Emily Upjohn... Look, she she probably should have won the Oaks, um, and everything went wrong at Ascot in that King George, and then bounced back to win Phillies and Mares. But it was great, but it wasn't a terrific field assembled against her. She had every right to win it. You know, in essence, she beat Thunderkiss. Um, you know, who's who's okay. Do you know what I mean? And, and Thunderkiss had six pounds more than her. She's entitled to to win that. Um, look, she she's back at a track that she made a mess of twelve months ago, and she's bound to be there. She's got the Frankie de Tory factor, but for me, she's there. She kind of holds up the price for Westover. I'd rather be with Westover at twos than her at five to two. Hurricane mm. Lane l- looked completely gone at the game. You know, this is also was beaten nineteen lengths by Grand Alliance and Newbury, then <laughs> bounced back and won that mile and a half jockey club race at, at um, uh, Newmarket. Look, that was a really good performance beating West Wind Blows and Global Storm and friends, but he's got to back that up and do it again. Um, he was third in his derby behind the day, but still got a bit to prove in my eyes. And Point Lonsdale stepping up and trip again was had a big rotation for Aidens, is building something of a profile. Got to prove his days, never been to Epsom before. For that reason, I'd be with Westover if I had to have a bet, because I think he's the kind of horse that could just take this division, as in could go on and, and potentially yeah. win a King George and, and go back to an arc, but I think he's really good. Um, and yeah, I, I'd go with Westover over Emily Upjohn. Yeah, it looks a cracker. Just the five in it, but really, all five could be having a chance at one stage of that race. At 345, we got the Betfred handicap run over a mile and a quarter with 11 runners due to go to post in this one. Honiton's in there for Godolphin, a winner at Newmarket recently over the 10 furlong trip in the handicap, one by just over a length. Mahaba, the champs, had a wind up two runs ago, and uh, that certainly helped when he came back to win his race at York for Kevin Ryan. William Buick back on board, they won by a neck. Beating Maurice Diamond, Savvy Victory was second, only beating a length 
that Chester Ryan Moore keeps the ride on Savvy, Victory, Dual Identity, Majestic, Masakela, and others all in there. It's a tricky looking race, but possibilities of an each way better to here, Bill. Good race. I mean, I, I, when, I, when I looked at this, I, was, I started off just trying to oppose Honiton and ended up here on going full circle. He's just one of these horses that I can't get right. He's, um, he had bits and bobs of form last year that was proper group form. You know, don't forget that, you know, at Chester, he chased home in that maiden secret state. He was a, went on to win at Royal Ascot. So that was a really good one, run in his maiden. And then he followed that up and went to Newcastle and was third to Eldar Eldorov, who obviously went on and won the ledger with post-depression a second. So that's about as hot a, a kind of novice stakes as you can find. It's like a small evening meeting in Newcastle, and he's kind of bumped into a classic winner, which is as, as you do. And then he went to Sandown um, and ran in his maiden and won that by nine lengths. Beating post-wick, it wasn't a great maiden, but he just showed that he was a classy performer and then bombed out at Ascot, but plenty of horses do. He was favourite for that. Um, or very close to favourite to behind Golden, missed the cut in the Golden Gates, but just didn't perform. And the jockey, the, the excuse to officially, Frankie just said he ran flat, but, but Frankie was having a nightmare at Ascot. Some of the Goston horses bombed out. There are a few that didn't perform, so you can kind of forgive him that. And then he was gelded. They ran him back on bottomless ground and just get a run under his belt at Goodwood. Um, and then he won impressively at Newmarket, seemed to want every yard of the trip over a mile or two. And it was on top late on. And the handicappers had a bit of a say, but he'd gone up four pounds. But he's still rated under 100, and I think he's a 100-plus horse. And... Life isn't that easy from the draw, but he's going to be played late, and he'll just appear in in the in in the on, on the scene. Um, we're still waiting for lots of firms to price this race up, but the hills are gone for, which I think is very fair. There might be nine to two out there. He's got to be on side. Mahaba, um, the, the champ, was good last time. I was surprised the handicapper only bumped him up two pounds. I really don't understand that, but that's another story. But his tongue is tied down, so he's obviously got an issue with breathing. It may help him, but I'd definitely rather be with Honiton. I was with Savvy Victory last time, um, and he ran fine behind Pride of America, but just got worried out of it. Maybe the return to a better ground um, <laughs> will help him, but this is a different track, different test, and he's going to be pretty short enough with Ryan Moore in the saddle. Um, <laughs> looking at the others, you can make case out for Majestic, Former Lincoln winner, dual identity is knocking on the door, but he's becoming frustrating. Um, Master Kayla's an interesting runner. Baldings often have their horses run well at this meeting in the handicaps. And Master Kayla is a horse whose handicap is now taking a chance on. Dropped him another three pounds for a poor run behind Mahaba, the champ, last time um, over a mile and two. And don't forget, this is a horse who was fourth to Desert Crown in the Derby last year. Um, his lofty perch is a mark of about 108 this time last year. Um, it's now 99, and you showed glimmers of stuff last time. Um, he could run well at a double-figure price. Um, but in all honesty, I just went full circle. I think Honiton is a classy horse. I think he could end up running either in one of those big valuable handicaps at, at um, the Royal Meeting or even step up into group company. And uh, I think he'll win. I mean, he's bred by Dark Angel, but he's... Um, 
he's a classy enough type. And um, yeah, I think I think he'll take beating. So Honerton will get the vote for me with maybe dual identity and Masakela for the vo- forecast. But I think Honerton will win. So the feature race of the day is at 4.30 on Friday at Epsom, of course. The Betfred Oaks, the Group 1, part of the British Champion Series over the classic distance of a mile and a half. Hopefully the 11 will stand their ground. And it's really been a two-horse race in the betting, possibly three. Save the last dance for Aidan O'Brien. She was magnificent at Chester. She won by 22 lengths on soft going. But it's just the way she pulled away from the field, from the two to the one, and just kept on going and ran all the way to the line. It was mighty impressive. But can we trust that form not on that ground with the horses behind her that good? That is the question for her. Soul's sister goes for the Gosdens, Lady Bamford, the owner with Frankie on board. What a day it would be. Frankie could win the Oaks in his final season. She was pretty good over at York when winning there in May. The Musadora, she won by four lengths, beating Novakai, and she looked impressive. She ran all the way to the line as well on that occasion. She steps up in Tribicals and Running Lion. She was a good winner over 10 furlongs at Newmarket in a listed race with uh, She Murphy on board, another one trained by the Gostons, different ownership. Eternal Hope goes for Charlie Appleby, Hard Eight tonight for David Manuzier, and others in there of interest too. Is it a two-horse race, and can we believe what we've seen with our own eyes and save the last dance, Bill? Yeah, it's a good it's a good renewal of the Oaks because you got three really smart fillies at the top. Um, save the last dance, soul, soul sister, and running line. I mean, when save the last dance won at Chester, there was a kind of feeling that it might just be a recession come Oaks Day, have a heavy odds on shot. But you've got two candidates that have emerged since in Soul Sister and Running Lion who um who are interesting. Um you know, st- starting with Soul Sister, she was um she was seriously good um, last time when we saw her at, um, at well, she was disappointed at Newbury and then she was brilliant at York in the in the Musidora. Massive step forward. Um, good turn of foot. Well, she's got to prove she's got to stay, but there's no reason to think that she won't. Um, stamina's a question mark for Running Lion. You know, she's um, from that Roaring Lamb family I and mean, we Roaring Lion kind of made a good fist of staying in, in, in the his derby, but kind of his run petered out in the last hundred yards and quite get home. But I think Running Lion's got a chance of, of staying. And save the last dance. She was um she was devastating at, at Chester. And the key to that performance is that when Ramor got off he said, oh the others gave up and that that was the kind of reason we won by twenty two lengths. But the stopwatches don't lie. And her closing sectionals were faster than the sprint that day. Yeah, the last two furlongs. So she quickened well away from a really good bunch. <clears throat> and that's um that's enough to make you think that you can believe what your eyes saw. And you know, she she's gonna take a lot of beating. She'll stay, she'll quicken up. She should handle the track. She's a great big thing, but she's she could even be better. You know, she's by that Scat Daddy family, and she could be even better on the quicker surface. You know, everyone's saying worried about the ground. I know she's she's big, but I think she's the most likely winner. Um, if it turns into a test of speed, 
soul sister will put it up to her. Um, from a betting point of view, you're looking at 11 to 10, save the last dance, and a 9 to 4, 5 to 2, soul sister. Would I want to back either of those prices? Probably not. If I had to, I'd back save the last dance because I think she'll definitely stay. And I think she's, re I think she's really good. Um, but of the three, I think probably the one that's overpriced is running line because that was a really good performance in new market. Um, admittedly she beat nothing, but she did it really well and she's going the right way. And we often see kind of second strings of the Gosden team outrunning the first string and, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, say, the last dance biggest danger is actually running line. So at 13 to 2, 7 to 1, she could easily drift a bit more than that, to be honest, on the day. Um, and lots of firms are starting to open up and go four places. I think four places, she's rock solid at that because she's got a genuine chance of winning and she should easily be in the four because she's classy. Um, so my bet would probably be running line um, with, the, with the extra places. Um, of the others... What did Eternal Hope beat last time? <laughs> Lingfield, be happy, who runs. You know, they just feel below top class. Um, Heartache tonight's an interesting runner. Christian Jamura, uh, Demura riding for David Manusier on the back of an okay run at Longchamp. Um, you just got a feeling with her, she wants the ground a bit softer. Everything's been on heavy and soft ground. Um, the one I can see out, out running. Her rods at a big price is Mamun June at the right at the, at the bottom, about 50 to 1 chance for the Hannon team. Just the one run um, for them with this filly who was um, is immaculately bred by See the Stars. Um, you know, cost 400,000. Uh, she's only run the once and was second on debut, but she'll definitely stay. And that you can't say about probably half of these. And the Hannons have a habit of hitting the frame at big prices in classics. And I wouldn't be surprised if Mama June outrun her odds and hit the frame, maybe fourth or third at 50s. Um, so that would be in each way. But yeah, run, running Lion and Mama June would be the way I'd play it. Um, and if Save the Last Dance wins by miles, she wins by miles. But that'd be the way I'd do it. And before we go, let's hear from Aidan O'Brien talking about Save the last dance. We gave her a run last year just to get a run into her. Um, we wanted to, to have something to think about over the winter, and, and that's the way it was. And she started in a very good maiden at Leperstown, which uh, usually a very good fillies come out of. And uh, obviously she won, and I suppose um, everything has went uh, very well since. The turn of foot she showed at Chester was quite amazing, wasn't it, for a race over that distance, almost a mile and a half. And she ran faster in the final couple of furlongs, I'm told, than the sprinters later on on the card. Did that even surprise you? I mean, you've seen everything in racing, but her turn of foot was quite impressive. Yeah, no, I, I think obviously it was uh, very unusual. Usually when you see those things, uh, it's a kind of a, a bit of an illusion to your eye and it often looks like the rest are stopping. And a horse quickening like that, you always, people say they quickened up very well, but often they're not quickening at all, but they're just getting slower. But I think the times said, that she was quickening, which was very unusual, I think, for a strongly run race. Um, so, listen, what can you say, I suppose? Like, it was unusual when the times came out and the, everybody said what she she had done. But Ryan did say on the day that she absolutely galloped through the line, you know. So, um, yeah, so listen, it, it was great to see it, really. She's only run on soft and heavy ground. That obviously is not her fault. But by Scat Daddy on the damn side, 
and Galileo, obviously the sire, you'd expect it to probably improve for better ground. I suppose, like you said, most Galileos that we have always wanted better ground, uh, Chris, and there wouldn't be soft ground horses at all. Um, and obviously, I've been by Scott Daddy as well. So absolutely. So it, it will be interesting to see. What's a little bit unusual about her is the way she went through the last two furlongs, um, that she just kept accelerating, you know. So I, I think that that's, makes it unusual. But it, it's like we're looking forward to the same as everyone else. It's going to be very interesting to see what does happen on better ground uh, in Epson. Um, you know, she hasn't done an awful lot of work since. She doesn't need much work. She's a very clear-winded filly. So uh, she's been cantering away there and, and seems very happy. But uh, we're, we're looking forward to seeing the what's going to happen, really. That's Aidan O'Brien talking about Save the Last Dance, who looks like she's going to go a favourite in the Bedford Oaks on Friday. Well, that's all from us today from this special episode. We'll be back on Friday with our usual look ahead to the weekend racing and in particular the Betfred Derby, which takes place on Saturday afternoon at Epsom Racecourse. We'll be joined by Bill Esdale and Wally Pyra, who'll look at the Hong Kong racing on the weekend, and also special guests Aidan O'Brien and John Joseph Murphy is also on the podcast. So make sure that you join us for our next episode here on the Punter Podcast.